If you love what you hear, check out our authors Andrea Stewart and N.A. Fulton on Amazon.com, and be sure to subscribe to our Dark Romance Novels and Stories podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast provider. Learn more about us at audioiron.com. A Woman's Honor, a dark historical romance novel by Andrea Stewart. Chapter 8 Eleanor crouched in the icy water of the creek, her clothes were sodden, and she couldn't stop shaking from the cold. She had crept for several miles along this freezing waterway toward where she guessed Lord Armstrong and his men must be camped. She hoped the cold didn't kill her before she had a chance to poison him with the liquid in the vial she had tied around her neck. Had she gone in the wrong direction? Should she return to the Duke and his keep and hide in his apartments until Armstrong came to collect her? After night had fallen, with the Duke and his men devoted to preparing to defend the keep, it had been relatively easy to escape. First she had used all the long silks in the room to create a makeshift rope. She tied one end of the rope to the bed and then lowered the other out the window. It was too dark to be sure how far the length extended into the darkness, but she assumed it would be more than halfway down the long exterior wall, and she knew there was snow to fall into. Though the arrow slit was too narrow an aperture for a man to pass through, she was easily able to wriggle through. Panic had overtaken her only when she was outside and had to trust her weight to the silk at the top of the forty-foot drop. She reached the end of the silk while still ten feet in the air. She knew the snow below her was newly fallen so she let herself go limp as she fell. This was one of the many useful things her brothers had taught her when she first learned to ride. Her landing was much harder than she expected, but the bruises she sustained were nothing to the fear of being seen by any of the Duke's men. She knew they would put an arrow through her without a moment's hesitation. She was dressed as a man, a boy really, and they would not know who she was until she was dead. And even if they did know who she was, they would still be all too glad to kill her. She had scrambled up the snowbank and crept toward the last of the refugees leaving the encampments outside the castle. A mile or two later, when the group she had joined passed the creek she remembered, she split off. She waded into the dark water and turned north without being seen. She had been following the freezing water for miles. Where could Armstrong's camp be? She wanted nothing so much as to climb up a bank and curl up into a ball. She would be frozen solid by morning. But the faces of all those who would die if she failed in her quest swam before her eyes. Armstrong had to be stopped. If she succeeded she would end the battle before the fighting began. Once he was dead, she would be able to rest. In fact, she realized, she would almost certainly be dead as well. There was no reason at all to believe Armstrong's men would let her survive after they killed their lord. Eleanor's heart lurched at the thought of never seeing the duke again. She hoped when he found her missing he would understand that she had disobeyed him only to set things right. But, in truth, what he thought no longer mattered. The duke ran a hand along the wall to steady himself as he came down the stairs. He still could not believe it. A vision of the clumsily tied fabric falling away into darkness filled his mind. Every bone in his body ached with despair. He was past anger, past hate, had descended into bone-deep grief. She had betrayed him again. He entered the great hall, 
stepping over men who were making preparations for sleep now that night had fallen and dinner was done. Faces were grim owing to the battle they all knew they faced in the morning. Alan and James were in a corner poring over a map and scratching plans into the rough wood of a trestle table. She's gone. The Duke said as he approached. The words tasted like ashes in his mouth. James was the first to rise. His alarm evident on his face. Where? How long has she been gone? Demanded Alan. I don't know. The Duke replied. Presumably she has gone to Lord Armstrong's camp. He added to James. Alan and James said nothing, their grey faces and stern expressions made it clear they were unsurprised by his wife's deceit. Stop her. Said the Duke without looking up. He left the hall as James and Alan began to assemble their hunting party. He didn't want to think about which of his men might be the one to kill his wife. Eleanor could hear Armstrong's sentries calling to one another through the trees. Laughter echoed from the center of the camp. She even heard a few men singing. It was clear this army knew the weakness of its enemy. They were well prepared for an easy victory. God willing, she would surprise them with defeat. Of course, this assumed that she could reach Lord Armstrong without being killed by one of his guards first. She took a deep breath and started up the slope of the creek toward the voices. Less than a quarter of an hour later Eleanor stood before what she assumed was Lord Armstrong's tent. Her arm was twisted high behind her back by one of two guards who had dragged her here. They were both clad in leather armor, with metal breastplates and helms, well equipped for the Duke's men who they would soon face in battle. If you've lied to me, I'll gut you. Said the taller of the two men as he shoved her through the entrance to the tent. Eleanor found herself in an opulently equipped enclosure. Lord Armstrong, surrounded by a dozen candles, was standing over a table that held a map. He was tracing something on the map with one of his fingers, while a pair of his men followed the motion. Around him, several thick carpets covered the ground, and a half-eaten meal sat under a raised bed on his right. Two large chests were open, spilling their contents around the room. One held clothes, the other armor and weapons. All three men around the table looked up as she stumbled forward. Lord Armstrong, gray face fierce with irritation at the unannounced interruption, opened his mouth to say something. Then his eyes widened in surprise when he saw Eleanor. A moment later they narrowed with suspicion. How came you here, my lady? You were overtaken by my enemy and carried away. He asked. I escaped. I ran away. They were building a scaffold. She said. The Duke and his men said they were going to hang me. Lord Armstrong rolled up his map, looked at his generals and the man who brought her into the room, and then back at her. How could you escape, my lady, with so many guards? There was a woman, a cook, who I had been kind to. I promised her you would let her and her child survive if she helped me escape. She brought me rope and I let myself out a window high in the castle wall. You promised such a thing in my name? I am your wife, my lord. Should I not have saved my own life? Eleanor drew herself up, reminded herself that Armstrong had cared enough about her to ask for her mark on a document going to the king and to Rome. She must have some value to him. How did my lady come here? He asked the guard who had shoved her into the room. She was in the creek, alone. She swore she were your wife and we brought her here. You have more lives than a cat, my lady. Said Lord Armstrong with a slight bow. He waved his hand to clear the room. I am surprised the Duke would keep you so carelessly. I am surprised that he did not kill you or worse when he took you from me. 
Eleanor struggled for composure. Was he implying that being raped should trouble her more than being murdered? How must she act? Afraid, angry, confident, fearful? Lord Armstrong knew her very little, they had spoken only a few times. What would serve her best? I am called, my lord. I have travelled very far, and at great pain, to bring myself to you. Yet you offer me no comfort? She said. If she were the pampered daughter of a doting lord she would be used to speaking her mind. She must be what Armstrong expected her to be in so far as she was able. Armstrong turned to pick up a dark wool blanket that had been draped over the camp bed. He tossed it to her without a word. Eleanor wrapped the blanket around her shivering body and found her eyes lingering on the bed. How she wished she could fall into it and sleep until the end of time. They did not keep me carelessly, I have just told you that I escaped. It is only by the grace of God that I stand before you. Armstrong watched her for a moment, then turned and moved to lean against the table with his arms crossed. He was so very tall, so muscular, that even the balding head, white hair, and long grey moustache argued against him being old. He was a seasoned soldier ready to fight. Tell me in detail how such a miracle came to be, my lady. He made no effort to hide his suspicion. Eleanor took a deep breath then went over her manufactured escape in some detail. She described Mary and her mother, the rope, slipping out the arrow slit, and falling into the snow. She described hearing from one of the Duke's men that Armstrong was camped by the joint of two rivers. She had just crossed one, during her trip from the Duke's castle to deliver her to her parents. She'd found it again and guessed which direction to go. I'm still surprised that you were not killed shortly after our last meeting, or harmed in some other way. What can explain this? He asked after she finished. I believe the Duke understood that if he killed me, he would have no claim to my father's lands and no hostage in tomorrow's engagement. It was his men who wanted me dead. They who wanted to kill me. My lord appeared unable to stop them. Armstrong's brow went up at that description of near mutiny within the walls of the Duke's castle. He knows you need me in order to lay claim to my father's estates. He thought to use me as a bargaining chip if you seize the day. His men care for none of these things. They simply want me dead. The Duke thought to parley with me? Do you know what he sought to gain? Freedom for himself? His men? What fortifications did you see? My lord. Eleanor interrupted him. Can you not even offer your wife something to eat or drink? Am I a prisoner you must interrogate? I have faced many dangers to come to you. I am hungry and tired. Armstrong studied her then nodded. I will have my men take you to a safe place where you may rest. He straightened and motioned at her to rise. Indeed, my lord, said Eleanor, feeling her heart drop. She stood up slowly, as if prepared to obey his order. It was all going wrong. She wouldn't see him again before the battle started. Everything would be lost. She took a few steps, then stopped. She turned abruptly to find him close on her heels, as if he had planned to speak to the guards as she exited the tent. My lord, she said in a low voice. I would not have you think me forward, but I have a question. Yes, what is it? He sounded impatient, as if eager to be rid of her and back with his maps and generals. Is not a betrothal consummated considered a true marriage by the church? His eyes sharpened. It is, he said. Tomorrow. By the church's law, do you not make war on my husband? Though my union with him is not completed. As things stand, without a ruling from the church, he is in all ways, my lawful husband. Vows were spoken before a priest. Yes. 
Lord Armstrong said again, this time even more slowly. If you and I consummate our vows and you find me a maiden, then would you not be, in the eyes of the church, my true husband? Even though no vows have been spoken between us? This would make tomorrow's engagement justified on its face. We would not have to wait for Rome or the king. Lord Armstrong nodded, following her logic even as he eyed her. Dressed as a boy, little hid her long legs, flaring hips, slender waist, or the well-formed breasts which her jerkin did not fully cover. Could you not then seize the duke's lands as forfeit, retaining them as you sent word to the king of our affairs here? He nodded again. This time Eleanor said nothing. So you would have us consummate our marriage here and now? He said. Eleanor looked at the ground in an attempt to hide her revulsion and her fear. As you might imagine, I wish to have my future settled once and for all. Should the worst of all things transpire on the morrow? Should you not survive? I would rather live as your widow than the duke's wife. She looked up to find Armstrong watching her, blue eyes piercing. As you wish, my lady. He moved toward her. Long fingers came to touch her cheek. He leaned forward to press his lips upon hers. They were soft and his breath was fetid. She endured the kiss as long as she was able, then moved away. My lord, might we share a glass of wine? My courage deserts me. I know the need of this, know it must be done. But I am afraid. In truth Eleanor's knees had started to shake so hard they could hardly hold her up. She pulled the blanket tighter about her. The vial of hemlock and belladonna was in a pouch she had tied to a cord around her neck. How on earth would she give it to him if he wouldn't drink with her? As you wish. He said. He nodded at a half bottle of wine that sat on the camp table. There were two flagons beside it, one half full. Using the blanket to cloak her movements, she retrieved the vial. Her heart was pounding as she dumped its contents into the half-filled flagon. She filled both goblets to the brim, then turned to offer him the poisoned cup. When he took it, she raised her own cup slightly, as if in a toast. Lord Armstrong matched her movement. Eleanor closed her eyes and drank her whole draught at once, hoping he would do the same. She opened her eyes, and placed her cup on the table behind her. She looked up as he approached, saw him place his untouched cup beside hers. I take only a glass of wine a day, and that with water, my lady. He said. I suffer greatly from rich food and drink. Eleanor heard her heart pounding in her chest and she felt the blood drain from her face. It was clear that she could not poison him and it was just as clear that she could not let him survive the night. It was also obvious that he would now expect her to consummate their betrothal, and that he would then discover she was no maid. When he discovered this, he would have her removed from his chamber and perhaps killed. In any case his assault on the duke's castle would go on as planned. He seemed to think her strange manner related to a virgin's fears of the marriage bed and so he took the initiative. His hands came to the cord that tied her jerk and closed. In moments he had bared her to the waist and his long dry hands were shaping her breasts. She looked up to find his pale face growing red, eyes becoming dark. His hands slid down her trunk to the cord that held up her breeches. He untied them and they slipped over her hips to drop at her feet. He pulled her forward and she stepped out of them and out of her sodden boots as well. They were frozen for a moment as he looked at her. It seems I made a good bargain with your father. He said at last. He gave me a beautiful and resourceful bride. Panic overtook Helena. It became difficult to breathe. Her eyes jumped to the bed, mind filling with visions of what would happen there in just a few moments. She couldn't think of anything to say that might change the course of events. Her eyes took in the rough fabric of the bed, a trencher of half-eaten food below it. 
there had to be some way to escape. Then, on the trencher, she saw a knife, a short silver dagger. Armstrong, like most lords, probably ate with the same utensil at every meal. He had left it on the plate because he hadn't finished eating the half loaf of bread or the remains of the meat. Eleanor looked up at him. You have no cause to fear me, my lady, said Armstrong. He pulled her into his arms and began kissing her again. His ardor had increased substantially now that she was nude before him, and she was hard put not to cry out as his hands worried the rose tips of her breasts. She made herself accept his advances, knowing that to fight him now would end any hope she had of killing him before the morrow. At last he did carry her to the cot, and she looked up at him as he undressed. His body was broad and strong, the muscles falling and skin sagging only a little with age. When he was naked, he came to kneel beside her, lips finding first her mouth, then her breasts. My lord. She whispered. The blanket. He raised his head to look at her, eyes glazed with lust. What if someone should enter? She said. He grunted something, and rose to retrieve the blanket. While his back was to her she caught up the dagger from the plate and thrust it under the pillow that held her head. When he returned, she parted her legs and he fell atop her, pulling the blanket over them both. He shifted to kiss her mouth again and she slipped her hand under her pillow. He rose up so he could enter her. As he entered her, she struck. Using all her strength she buried the sharp blade deep in his throat. He had only time to grunt in surprise before she pulled the blade toward her, making it impossible for him to ever make another sound. His body twisted and flopped on top of hers. The guard who had brought her into the tent, who still waited outside, pulled the flap. He stuck his head into the tent and saw what he presumed to be his master tupping his new wife. He pulled his head out of the tent again just as swiftly. Armstrong's body eventually stilled and Eleanor slid out from under him. She was coated in his blood. It covered her face and hair, ran over her breasts, under her arms, between her legs. She silently threw up the wine she had taken. The acrid smell of vomit filled the room. She stumbled to her clothes, dragged them on with shaking hands. They slipped and slid over the blood. Once dressed, she gingerly moved toward the body and used the blood-sodden blanket to cover it. With luck it might remain undisturbed for several hours. She hoped the guards would think their lord slept. Eleanor crept to the side of the tent behind the open trunks. She lay on the ground and used the knife to cut a small slit in the canvas. It was dark, and the camp had quieted. It was well after midnight and even the most confident of soldiers had retired for the evening, seeking a good rest before the morning slaughter. She used the knife to cut a much longer slit, then she crawled through it to emerge outside in the cold night air facing a forest filled with the enemy. In an instant she was on her feet darting into the trees that surrounded the camp. It didn't take Eleanor long to make her way back to the creek. She started back the way she had come. She did not expect a warm welcome there. The Duke's men might kill her before she let them know that Armstrong was dead. But she had nowhere else to go. And, in any case, she had broken her wedding vows and murdered a man in cold blood. By any measure she should hang. Whatever happened, she wished to see the Duke again. She wanted to be certain that no harm would befall him, that his people would remain safe, that he would care for her parents and all the others she had left behind. They were all his people in truth now. If she knew everyone would be well cared for, she felt she could suffer whatever punishment was meted out to her with some peace of mind. The months of killing would be over at last. She hadn't gone more than a mile down the creek when she heard riders pelting toward her. 
At first she couldn't determine the direction from which they approached and she turned around and around in the creek. At last she realized they were coming from the direction in which she was headed, and she started to run the opposite direction. It was probably one of Armstrong's scouting parties returning to the camp. She scanned the edges of the creek for shelter, but the trees were sparse here. She heard the whistle of the arrow before she felt its impact and she dropped into the stream when it struck. It felt like fire burning through her chest. She heard horses' hooves striking the water around her, and then someone grabbed her by her jerkin and pulled her out of the water. He held her up, and the movement of the arrow in her chest made her cry out. We have her. Said James. Alan dismounted, splashing into the water beside her. She saw he was dressed for battle in thick leather armor and worn mail. Without a word he reached forward to grasp the arrow in her chest from both sides. He snapped the head off with one hand and jerked it out of her body through her back with the other. She screamed in agony. Ride her back. Said Alan. I'll scout up ahead. James nodded. In a moment he had Eleanor riding before him on his horse, and they set off at a canter toward the castle. She had fainted dead away. She woke when James dropped her onto the dirt inside the castle courtyard. She rolled over onto her back and stared up into the cold winter sky. When, she wondered, would the torment end? How long would it be before she was with her brothers in eternity? Where was she? She heard the familiar voice speak, trying to lift her head to see the duke. She had yet to reach their camp. She was wounded. I brought her down lest she raise an alarm. The duke approached, knelt beside her. She did not see anger in his face, only resignation, as if he had known he would find her thus one day. She raised her hand to touch his leg. It was hard to speak. Her chest felt heavy, ached with every breath. It was so very hard to breathe. Checkmate. She said softly. She hoped soon he would take her meaning but knew it didn't matter. She had done all she could to set matters right. She had done what honor demanded. She had killed the enemy who had betrayed them all. The duke slipped an arm under her head and under her knees and lifted her. She fainted before he had taken two steps. She woke again as he was undressing her in his room. Fulton cut away the clothes matted to her body with Armstrong's blood. What the hell happened to you? He asked softly. His hands roved around her body looking for another wound. Finding none, he probed the chest wound which no longer bled at all. He used a cloth and cool water from the pitcher to bathe her, rolling her gently to look at her back. He looked perplexed for a moment, then covered her. He left the room and a few minutes later he returned with Margaret. The old woman dropped to her knees beside the bed. I knew you couldn't do it, my lady. She said. I knew they would bring you down. The duke jerked the old woman up by her dress. You knew she would betray us and you said nothing? He looked furious, face hard, hands clenched into fists. Betray you? No, my lord. She went to kill Lord Armstrong. Said Margaret in surprise. What? His voice grew more fierce. To poison him. She said only the queen could travel far enough and fast enough to kill the king. Margaret raised her hand as if fearing he would strike her. The duke looked down at Eleanor, eyes narrowing. Without regard to her cries of pain, he shook her. When she opened her eyes he said. Did you poison Armstrong? Eleanor shook her head. You failed? He asked. His expression softened. Eleanor shook her head again, then closed her eyes. She could take only tiny breaths now, and each one made her feel like she was being stabbed. 
My lord, she will die soon unless I help her, said Margaret. Eleanor didn't hear the duke's response because the world fell away before he made it. Eleanor was surprised to wake at all, much less in the company of the duke, James, and Alan. She was packed in blankets and hot bricks, and something heavy and hot lay under the bandage on her chest. She tried to sit up, but the effort made blackness creep behind her eyes and pain stab through her. At least she could breathe, she reflected. Can you speak now? The duke asked. He looked angry. Yes. Eleanor whispered after a moment, surprised to find that she could. Did you kill Lord Armstrong? Eleanor nodded. James and Alan looked at the duke. Their faces were also grim. How? I cut his throat. Said Eleanor softly. While you consorted with him? The duke looked more furious by the moment. Eleanor looked away, unable to face him, then nodded. Alan and James both spoke at once. As we told you. It is all over Lord Armstrong's camp. They're calling for her head. They want to hang her. She murdered Armstrong in cold blood, my lord. Eleanor turned her head to look at the men. The duke was silent, watching her. Then he said. No, she did not. You just heard her confession. Said James. No, and neither did you. The duke said as he turned to look at James. She was seen, my lord. Alan looked pained to say the words. Neither the church nor the king's law countenance murder. She was defending her honor? Suggested the duke. She asked to be taken to Armstrong when she entered the camp. Said James. She told the men she was his wife. I am not making myself clear. Said the duke, firmly. My wife will not hang for the murder of Lord Armstrong. She made no confession. Do you understand me? I say she never reached his camp, that you shot her with an arrow before she could. I say that another woman, perhaps a jilted lover, or even a boy dressed as a woman, committed this crime. My lord. Alan lay a hand upon the duke's shoulder. The duke threw it off. She did what she had to do to defend her honor, to save her keep and ours. I do not care if she has lain with all of Christendom or killed half the men in this kingdom. She is my wife and I will have her. My lord, I cannot. James. Said the duke, turning to face him. Though you are like a brother to me, be assured I will strike your head from your shoulders if you say another word. She is blood to me. It is done. To serve me you accept her. And you recall that in all this, in everything that has been done, she has done nothing but defend her honor and the lives of those she loves. The duke looked at Alan. She saved you, saved us all from the gibbet or worse. Mary, your wife, all the children. Does she deserve to die for that? How many men would we have killed if the battle had come? She killed one. You will swear an oath to us both, or I will send you out into the world with enough to make a new place with those you find more worthy of your loyalty and trust. In either case you will keep your mouth shut about what you have heard. The two men were silent for a long time. Alan nodded his assent first, and James turned to study Eleanor for a long moment. Eventually he said. It is unnatural for women to wage war. It is an unholy thing of witches and gins. But I cannot say I could have managed better in her place. Had I been able to plant that blade, I would have. I will not lie and say she did not. But I make an oath never to tell what I know. Good, then it is done. Tell Armstrong's army we know nothing of this madness. We will make a treaty with Armstrong's brother when he is lord. And that they should leave our lands or face the wrath of a king who granted these lands to me. 
Then scour the woods for those villagers we sent packing. They will be freezing to death in the snow. Alan and James left the room and the Duke turned his attention back to Eleanor. He sat beside her on the bed, ignoring her gasp of discomfort, and lay a hand upon her head as if feeling for fever. Then he ruffled her hair. This is the end, isn't it? He asked. You are going to become a soft-spoken and obedient wife, and then you are going to bear me a bevy of sons. I find it unlikely that I will be either soft-spoken or obedient, my lord. But I am devoted to you and I will do all in my power to give you strong sons and daughters. That will be sufficient. He said. As a mere duke, married to a queen who kills kings, I will accept your bargain. When you are feeling a bit better perhaps we can play chess again and see who is truly the better player. Eleanor smiled. I believe we both know that I am, my lord. Eleanor walked at the duke's side through the castle gate into the busy courtyard. The long winter was over, and an amble through the nearby wood promised to warm spring was not far off. She smiled a little as her husband continued to rant. I suppose it is impossible for you to let me handle this on my own. The duke said with some irritation. You must play a role in every decision, second-guess every choice I make. I only said you should not go to court in the fall. You may of course. You are master here. But I think you should not. Is something more important than answering the king's summons? With the new Lord Armstrong dead, think you not he will give me those lands? Do you think I should be in the fields gathering grain? Eleanor smiled. Well, I do think you should remain to reap a harvest. Our child will be born before Samhain. I thought you might wish to be here. The duke stopped and pulled her back into his arms when she would have continued walking. She closed her eyes while he held her hard against his chest. She felt a shudder pass through him and her own heart felt ready to burst. Ah, my dear heart. I would give up all the world for you. I love you so very much, my lord. The End of a Woman's Honor An Historical Romance by Andrea Stewart
A Woman's Honor by Andrea Stewart. Voice recording copyright 2019 by Nancy Fulton. All rights reserved. Music by Pavel Kanzenkoff licensed from Pond5. For more daring love stories, please visit dark-romance.com.